This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. Have you ever picked up the phone to answer a call from a recruiter, a call you didn't expect about a job you didn't even know about? And the recruiter starts describing the job that they need to fill. And they ask you, is there anyone you could recommend? And you realize that job sounds like my job. That job has my name written all over it. And you get some more info, you get the title, you get the name of the company, you get the salary range. And you think to yourself, that's $40,000 more a year than I'm making right now. So of course, when the recruiter says to you, is there anyone you could recommend? You say, well, me, yes, I recommend me. This story is true. In fact, it happened to me. I interviewed for that job. I got offered that job. I negotiated a better offer, and it was by far the best job I ever had in my 25-year career in television. But I was so naive about how the entire process worked. I didn't know until after I'd signed the employment agreement that that recruiter had come looking for me particularly, had done their research on me. But that recruiter needed plausible deniability. They couldn't ask me outright if I wanted to interview for the job. They had to ask me if I could recommend anyone, knowing I was going to recommend myself. So uh, let me ask you this. How helpful would it be to you, dear listener, to hear from a former recruiter who's worked extensively with two of the largest Fortune 500 companies, one in tech and one in consumer packaged goods? How helpful would it be to you to hear from a recruiter how to interview, how to ace each interview, how to negotiate an offer, how to negotiate stock options, bonuses, more vacation time? How helpful would it be to you to speak with a recruiter who could pull back the curtain, so to speak, and let you see behind the scenes? Well, today my guest is Steph Graham, and she is a former recruiter. She's now a career and interview coach, and she has extensive experience in corporate recruiting, professional development, and helping clients through career transitions. Steph is committed to DE&I, and she specializes in supporting diverse groups such as neurodivergent folks and other underrepresented communities. Steph, welcome. I am so excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you today. Oh, well, let's let's jump in. Um, why, why is it for so many job seekers, the whole process is just overwhelming? What is one of the first things you do with any client you serve to kind of 
calm them down, ground and center them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I like the way you said it. It's definitely a calming, centering, you know, getting them focused and together. So the first thing I typically do with clients is something I call a career story. Your career story is similar to a resume walk, but you're talking more about your thought process and motivations at that time. I do what I call skills-based preparation. So when I work with clients, the reason I can help so well with transitions is we focus on your skills above all else, including the tasks that you did, the actual function of your job. So when I help people through career stories, it's really about helping them identify what those skills are and how to connect that thread all the way from you know, their first job and their experience all the way to that moment when they're in the interview, interviewing for a specific role. So I always like to ground people in saying, let's get clear on what your experience is, what the value is, and how we want to convey that in the interview. That is such a strategic approach, and I love how it's so practical. There are a lot of internal and external challenges for anyone going through a job search or specifically a career transition. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what are some of the internal challenges? Yeah, I, I really appreciate that we're recognizing the difference between internal and external. A lot of folks who come to me, um, honestly, confidence, feeling confident in what they've done, uh, knowing how to actually convey that information. A lot of the internal struggle is also uh, imposter syndrome, especially given the demographics that I work with. A lot of, say, racial minorities or just underrepresented groups in general can feel that imposter syndrome of, do I fit in? Am I really supposed to be here? So a lot of work that I do actually starts more as what I guess I could call a therapy session and saying, okay, let's get clear. Where are you right now? Mentally, emotionally, are you ready for the job search? Is this something that we can take on or do we have other work to do before we get there? So you definitely do need to focus on not just the external uh, struggles that they have, but certainly you know addressing the internal things that they're dealing with as well. That's the mark of a really astute coach is that ability to go, let's generate greater self-awareness and right. self-compassion, right? Yeah. Let's talk specifically about some of the external challenges of the career transition, because this is something that's going on so much today. Many people are saying, you know what, I've got, I want to get out of this industry. I want to get into another one. What are some of the external challenges anybody but your clients face when saying, I want to transition careers? Yeah, so I would say one of the first things is people just aren't sure where to look. You know, a lot of this uh, transition, as you mentioned recently, just recently, we've started to see a lot more transition and people switching careers, switching job functions, going into things that are completely different. I think the pandemic, honestly, was a bit of a catalyst for that. People really saw, you know, there's more out there and time is not guaranteed. You know, I want to be able to do something that I'm passionate about and something I really want to get behind. When it comes to the external challenges, however, it's really seeing, okay, what is that path? I think we're used to a job market where you just have a very traditional, um, you know, you go with the company back in the day, it would have been you're with them 30, 40 years. And of course, now that's not the case, but even more so recently, we're seeing a lot more transition. I think people have a hard time identifying not just where they want to go, but also how to get there. And that's that bridging that gap where I come into play and say, okay, I get it. This is where you are. This is where you'd like to be. Now let's figure out what that path is. And externally, that can be different or difficult also because 
not every recruiter or company really understands that process, right? When I focus on skills base, I'm really helping them say, this is the value I can bring to this role. However, there are some instances in which people just may not see that connection, uh, but it's really about helping my clients learn how to show them and walk them to that connection. Right, brilliant, so that they can communicate it. That's one thing that I wanna share with all listeners. Find an expert, speak to staff. <laughs> if you are going through, you, you know, uh, we all get in our minds, uh, we, can, we can do this, we can figure it out, but you don't have to figure it out because right. Steph is someone who's actually seen both sides of it mm -hmm. and can support you. And if you're interested in finding out how you can have a complimentary consult with Steph, you can actually reach out to her at consultgram.com, www consultgram and the last name is g-r-a-h-a-m.com so steph i want to ask you um you have a real commitment to diversity equity and inclusion which i completely agree with and i'm right there with you and you work with underrepresented communities such as neurodiverse folks mm -hmm. and how did that commitment start how did you say wow i could really help this particular group, they're underrepresented and they really do need the support. When did yeah, that so uh, it's, an, it's important to me and a priority for me for a few different reasons. Um, I would say first, I myself am neurodivergent and that's something that I've had to kind of process through and work through as I've gone through my career. You know, fortunately I've had a very successful career that I've been very happy with, um, but of course that's not without its challenges. I also think it's a group that is often overlooked. Um, I think just disabilities in general are certainly overlooked. We live in a very ableist society, uh, but especially in the workplace for those who have neurodivergency. So not necessarily, most people think of a disability as physical, but there are many that you cannot see. And so people who are struggling with things that they typically may not get the help that they need, the accommodations that they're looking for, um, unfortunately, I did speak with someone who that was exactly the case. Um, she now is struggling with things just because she had asked for an accommodation that was not granted. And that, you know, obviously turned out not going well for her. So for me, it is really, really important to help empower these people to not only say, here's the process and here's how you can work with what you have to get in, but also giving them that confidence and level of understanding of, and once you're there or even throughout the process, here is what you can be asking of them to help support you. Brilliant, really brilliant. Um, you also work with clients in the LGBTQ community and women and people of color. And I know specifically that any woman is at a disadvantage in a male dominated environment. But talk about people who, you know, don't fit the model of the white male patriarchy, which is mm -hmm. kind of what many people think, oh, leader, I'm looking at some guy whose name is Bob, Bill, or John, he's you know, between the ages of 45 and 55. He happens right. to be Caucasian, I think leader. You know, how do you how do you offset that mindset? Yeah, that that is a great question. And that to me kind of harkens back to the idea of imposter syndrome, where a lot of clients, because they don't fit that mold, feel like, am I supposed to be here? So again, what I try to help the clients with is building that confidence. I've worked with folks who 
you know, oh, well, I did this, but it was like 10 years ago. So it's not really relevant. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, and then we reassess and they're like, oh, wow, now I see how that's relevant. Now I see how I can, you know, sell this and show that this is valuable. So a lot of that really does start on the inside, helping them understand, no, that can be you. You know, you have just as much ability and right to go for a role like that, to be seen, you know, by senior leaders. All of those things are things that these, you know, the clients I work with, you also deserve. Uh, when it comes to just internal structures and how you manage that, um, one of the things I think is so interesting is I've seen with like a lot of ERGs, employee resource groups, or just groups that they have within different companies, a lot of times when you see, oh, we want to help women in the workforce, right? We want to help them to, you know, grow and get into more senior roles. What they'll do is they'll create a group where women get together and they have a conversation about what could we be doing to fit this mold? It has always frustrated me to no end because women cannot fix the problem because they are not creating the problem. Women are not being sexist against themselves. So in order to actually get change, what you actually need is a group of men in a room saying, how do we make this environment and system more beneficial and more inclusive and not, hey, here's a system, figure out how to fit it. Right. And that when I talk about the underrepresented groups that I work with, they're all people that just don't fit, quote unquote, you know, they, quote unquote, don't fit that mold and what's expected. Right. Exactly. Well, this brings me to another question, which I think is something that we all struggle with is how do you get senior management when they've never really experienced discrimination? They've never really seen it firsthand to understand it does exist. It is a problem. And we need to get greater diversity into senior roles. You know, how do you get, I'll just say the old guard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that there is one question, you know, one answer is how do you get them involved to say, we need to all be working on this. We need greater diversity in the room. We've got some big problems here. We've got to solve them. We're not going to do it the way we did it in the past. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's no perfect answer. Um, and there's no one size fits all for every organization. Uh, I would say, you know, it's unfortunate to have to say, but you need to show them the value. What do they get out of it? Right? right. What is the benefit to them if they do invest their time and energy into, you know, creating greater diversity? Uh, some of those things, though, we know we have studies, many studies that show diverse teams perform better than non-diverse teams. We, you know, see not only in productivity, but revenue in, in so many different metrics. And so being able, again, to kind of tailor it to this is how it impacts you. This is the positive that you get out of this. You know, I think we know on principle it's the right thing to do, but you do obviously need to kind of make that advantageous for the group that is not effective or excuse me, not affected by it. Right. You have to show the return to the bottom line to right. get the attention and go, oh, yeah, we should have greater diversity in right. senior leadership. Yeah, it, it does come down to dollars and cents, S-E and S-E. Um, I want to take a little bit more of a turn now and talk about your transition from mm -hmm. being a recruiter, which I had to imagine is very high stress working for one of I should say two of the largest, one tech, one consumer packaged goods. How did you transition and go, you know what, I can make a greater impact here by helping people through this process. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about that. 
Sure. And, you know, actually, I'd like to use this as an opportunity to maybe give a slight example of what a career story would look like. Uh, I'll be giving you my very kind of general high level version. When I work with clients, we specialize it, we tailor it, a lot of things. But here's my quick example. Um, So actually, I graduated with a degree in women and gender studies and psychology, and I started my first career in political affairs. So I worked with the uh, American Psychological Association and also the Mortgage Bankers Association. And I was doing you know, political work, so political fundraising, liaising between members and Capitol Hill, different things like that. I really enjoyed that work, but I just knew I didn't want to be in politics long term. And so I had a decision, you know, how do I transition into not just supporting industry through an association, but actually being in industry and actually working to create those things and make things better. So that's when I decided to go to business school and I got my MBA at UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, During that time, I actually, I focused on leadership and management, but I ended up going into strategic finance. So I had interned with Pepsi, Frito-Lay, they're based in Dallas. I'd done the internship, that went really well. They asked me to come back full-time and then I was there full-time. And while I was there, I was doing finance, but also recruiting. So that was a kind of I'd say half of my job was the recruiting portion of it and going to different conferences. I was also an interviewer, so interviewing anyone who was you know, trying to apply for a role. And a lot of that work helped lead me into the work that I did with Uber. So after leaving Pepsi, I went to work at Uber where I was doing a lot of internal development work. And so for instance, there's a rotational program with recent grads where they come into the company, they rotate every six months. And you know, I was helping them through that process. Like this is corporate, these are the things you need to know. There are so many unwritten rules and bureaucracy behind it that people need to know. And that's again, something I'm able to share with clients. Uh, but I say all of that to say that through being an interviewer, through doing the recruiting and doing that internal development work, that's where I found I really had a passion. I always said I was good at getting jobs I didn't want. And so, as you know, again, as great as my career has been, as happy as I was, you know, it was just, okay, I think I want to help other people succeed in these spaces. And this maybe isn't my path. So that is what prompted me to start my business and, and help folks, you know, and help people through the transitions as I've done for myself, you know, help these underrepresented groups that I identify with and I understand. And as you've mentioned before, the biggest benefit is I have that insider perspective. You know, I've, you, you'd be surprised how many times I'm in a session with someone and they have a concern and I go, well, actually the interviewer is going to think about it this way. And they were like, oh, right. well, wait, now we can do that differently. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that is that is what brought me here to what I do today. Uh, that, you know, in hearing you tell your story, a couple of things are really remarkable. Mm. Now, we do tend to have two, three, sometimes four distinct careers. So this idea of career <laughs> transition and transferable skills is yes. critical for mm-hmm. all of us. And then the way you told the story, it just, and I'm going to use a word here, so organic. Yeah, thank you. Where, uh, you know, and and so for anyone who is listening, who is thinking, I want to transition, you must control your narrative. And what Steph just shared with us was her story of how she transitioned. And so to be able to do that under Mm -hmm. the guidance of someone like Steph, who can really help you create your own career story and control your narrative. So when you go into those interviews, you you can speak exactly to the needs of the company and what you bring to the table is brilliant. Um, I also, uh, I just want to share, I also tell people, I, I want to help them not just deliver it, but also be able to deviate from it. 
And yes, I use. Yeah. So if I personally were, say, interviewing for a finance role, I would have said a lot more about finance. You know, that's where I would have focused my energy in, in the conversation. If I were looking at something political, I would have told you much more detail about that. So when I'm working with clients, as you're saying, like, yes, putting together that narrative and then also helping them understand, depending on who you're speaking to, depending on what your goal is, here are the areas we can focus on and just be dynamic. Right. I love that really practical strategy in that you can expand or really laser focus depending on what the needs are. Um, excellent, excellent coaching. Um, you had shared a story on LinkedIn that I really wanted to ask you about, and it was um, about your family. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could just, I found it really moving and very sincere and um, could you just share the origin of that? You were speaking about your grandfather, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, so I had actually gone to a family reunion uh, about a week prior to posting that, but it was an opportunity where I was able to learn about my, I believe, great, great, great grandfather, uh, who is from Georgia. And, um, you know, as I said, a lot of Black Americans are, you know, we can't trace our lineage back, you know, more than a few years a lot of times or a few uh, uh, generations. And so for me, it was just very powerful to be able to be there with family and also learn about someone you know who I did not know. And what I found so amazing and powerful about his story was he and his brother at one point had gone to the swamps to live there for three years to escape you know the person who um, I'll call the human trafficker. Uh, and so those people, you know, spending that time being like, no, we won't do this. We'll, you know, rely on ourselves and do things on our own. And after three years actually came out to work with someone else because they actually said, okay, this person we're, we're okay to work with. Um, and so, you know, seeing that resilience and that just drive of, you know, even in such a, a horrible time, right. In such a, a horrible conditions, it was, you know, still this drive of I'm going to do the best I can for myself. And I'm going to, you know, hold fast to that. And, and, and be like, hey, this is me, and I'm going to protect that. Um, what I love about it is after the war, uh, he actually became very wealthy. He's one of the wealthiest uh, Black men in, in that area in Georgia. I believe it's Houston County, Georgia, um, and went on to actually donate money to a school that was the first school for Black children in the area, and it was named in his honor because of his donation. So as someone who now is doing coaching, which is you know tangential to uh, education, and really being able to help people, it just, it really speaks volumes, you know, learning that about him, I was able to see that in myself. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a level of pride. It's, you know, who you are is also a lot of where you come from and that matters. Yeah. And the inspiration and motivation that you take from your great, 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 great grandfather's story. Um, I can tell that your coaching is rooted in a place of integrity and also previous experience and expertise. Yes. Uh, so yes, we, we need more coaches like you. <laughs> Thank you. Really do. <laughs> um, talk about an aha moment in coaching. Are there certain, uh, let me say, uh, specific stories that clients tell themselves that you go, oh yeah, I, I spotted <laughs> that. You talked about imposter syndrome and Right. very familiar with that, but are there, <laughs> um, you know, topics that you tend to coach around because most people do have these common sets of questions mm -hmm. or challenges? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, to be honest, I would say just the number one thing across the board is people struggling to really identify their skills and then struggling to identify. And then of course, translate or transfer to something else. Um, I would say that that's one of the biggest challenges, but one thing I see when it comes to the actual interview is too many people try to anticipate or guess what the interviewer wants to hear. And that is an area that I, you know, when you say, aha, I've certainly seen so many people have like, oh, wow, my perspective totally changed when I'm able to give them that insight. You know, it's almost like this is the question behind the question. This is what they're actually trying to extract. This is what they want to actually know. And so helping people, because I think so many of us, we look at interviews as an interrogation and it's really a conversation. So if you can go into it thinking this is a conversation where I'm here to share about myself, it's less about let me try to anticipate or guess or be perfect. Because of course the interviewer can see that as well. When you're not being authentic, people pick up on that. So really going in feeling confident, being authentic and not trying to guess or fit a mold that you think this person is looking for. That That is brilliant. Um, share an aha moment you might've had about your own career and what kind of advice you would give your younger self. <laughs> Oh gosh, the advice for my younger self would definitely be worry less. Um, you know, yeah. you you will get there and you will figure things out. Yeah. Um, you know, as I as I mentioned, I've had so many transitions in my career. It it kind of feels like a, you know, just a, a beautiful story that I've continued to to write. Um, and I say that in the way of I think a lot of times people feel bogged down or trapped by their roles. Um for instance, I work with a lot of educators and I find that teachers really struggle to see their skills and value. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if you can run after 40 kids all day, like you'll, you'll do fine. Like, trust me, you have skills. So um, helping people really identify that and really understand um, what they can bring to the table uh, definitely makes a difference for me. Yeah, that's, that's so important. Um, kind of taking a left turn here, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What is that is really driving you? Yeah, so this is going to sound very cliche, but genuinely helping clients, it makes me so happy. Getting an email that, you know, the subject line is in all caps, I got the job. Like that to me is right. that's that's the win. That's the moment that we're waiting for and hoping for when we work with clients. Um, I, I love the people that I've worked with. I have ongoing relationships with people. Um, some folks I continue to mentor. So just really being involved and in seeing people succeed genuinely does make me happy, um, you know, because it's also a sense of pride for myself of, wow, I was really able to help someone or seeing someone who struggles and, and gains their confidence. You know, it's a beautiful thing to just see someone develop and grow into themselves. Yeah. Um, you had talked about a really important mindset shift you help your clients make, which is to realize the interview is not an interrogation. It's a conversation. And to think a little bit more, um, how can I put this uh, gently about the interviewer and what their job is during the interview process? What other mindset shifts would you do you share with your clients who come to you and they say, hey, you know what, I'm career transitioning or I'm starting the job search? What are some of the other big mindset shifts you have? Yeah. So definitely, as, as you mentioned, the interview being a conversation, not an interrogation. Um, also, you know, again, just the idea of 
you have skills, you have things that you can bring to the table. So shifting that mindset from a lot of people that think about transitioning, they're already seeing it as an uphill battle, which it is, and it can be, but that's what they're leading with. I want them to lead with, okay, yes, this is an uphill battle, but I am confident in what I do and what I know. And I'm confident that I can actually portray this and convey this information to someone else. It takes a mind shift or a mindset shift of just, I can do this, you know, like believe in yourself. Uh, that is probably the biggest thing that with all clients across the board, um, because I also work with a lot of clients, given the demographics, you know, culturally things can be different. Okay. So people don't feel comfortable uh, sharing about themselves. It feels like bragging or it feels inappropriate just because culturally that's not something they're used to. So there are a lot of different mindset shifts depending on who you are, what you're doing that people have to go through just to gain that confidence and really get there. Yeah, um, I think one of the things, and I can hear it in your voice and I can see it in your presence, there's a real calm, strategic approach that you take, which yes. I think for many job searchers, and I would say at least 70% of the population has been there where it's that feeling of, I hate my job, yes. I don't feel motivated to go look for another job, but I know I need to. Mm -hmm. And so to have someone who is a coach like yourself to say, I have a system here. I've got a strategic approach. Follow the steps. I'm here. I want to share with all listeners, and this is something that's really, really, if you take nothing away from listening to the podcast, and certainly there's a lot to take away from this particular episode, but you don't need to do this by yourself. Find an expert to help you who is seasoned, experienced, who has expertise, and you can reach out to Steph at www consultgram.com. Now, Steph, I know you've got some complimentary trainings on your yes. website. Can you speak to those? Yes, actually, I'm very, very excited. I just launched a member area on my website. So if you are able to go to the website, you can create an account. It's free, but it does give you access to additional resources. That's the benefit there. So I have an intro to interviews course that's up there that is free. Uh, it's about a 30-minute course that just takes you through the entire process of applying, speaking with recruiters, all the way to writing thank you emails after the interview and everything in between. So it's really great for folks who are either new to the process or if you haven't interviewed in a while. Um, I like to share with people, there are so many technological changes uh, things like ATS, which is an automated tracking system for resumes, um, AVI, automated video interviews. And so those are some of the things I touch on in that uh, presentation, just to talk about these are some of the new things. So if you haven't done this in a while, I definitely would recommend you check that out. Um, I also am in the process of launching a advanced interview strategies course. So that will probably be up hopefully within about a week. Uh, so we'll have that up there uh, by the time this episode goes out, I'm sure. Um, and then also I have what I'm calling my neurodivergency uh, hub. And so I created a hub that just kind of has a, a guide for those who are neurodivergent and are looking for some ways to combat common challenges. So I've detailed out common challenges for folks who have autism, ADHD, and also dyslexia, and then paired that with here's some tactics that you can use to get through that process. Uh, the great thing about the member area is I'm building a community with folks who are looking for resources, who are, you know, dedicated to their job search and their careers in general. So I'm really excited about sharing that with people. Oh, that That is awesome. Again, I love the step-by-step -step strategy and the practical <laughs> application. It's just brilliant. It's really working for me. 
Um, I did want to ask you, it's all about practicality. I did want to ask you what you've seen, because you had mentioned not only the applicant tracking system, but the applicant video, um, AVO, I think is what. Uh, yeah, uh, AVI, automated video interview. Yeah. Okay, great. Which is something that we've seen since the pandemic, yes. uh, this, this need to do things remotely. What other changes have you seen in the job market and in the job search process that have happened as a result of the pandemic? What are some other things that uh, job seekers should be aware of and watching out for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I guess I can start at the beginning of the process. Uh, I always share with folks, if you are sending out applications and you're not hearing back, that typically tells you there's something going on with either your resume or your LinkedIn. And so those are two things that I say, okay, first, that's the first place to start, reassess that. Um, I actually do have a service where we have expert writers who will rewrite the resume and also update your LinkedIn for you. The reason I pair those two things, I always like to say, if a recruiter sees your application and resume, nine times out of 10, the first thing they will do is go to your LinkedIn. And they're looking for a LinkedIn that's filled out, that has information that you know is similar to that of your resume. It has the same information, the same tone, uh, but it is really important that you think about them as a package because not having a put together LinkedIn is definitely a red flag for a lot of recruiters. And I also share that uh, according to LinkedIn's own data, you are 40 times more likely to find an opportunity on the platform by simply having every section of your LinkedIn filled out. That that's it, you know, not even optimized or anything like that. It makes a massive difference just to have everything filled out. Um, I realize I've gone on a tangent and potentially forgot the question you asked. If you wouldn't oh, mind, repeating. no, no. This the, uh, well, first <laughs> off, I love the fact about you've got to have your link in there and you've got to have your keywords and it's got to be clear. Yes. Um, the original question was just there's been so many changes with the pandemic. Uh, yes, yes. And were there other trends that you've seen? through right. job search. Yeah, and so the reason I touched on that was just LinkedIn, I think has not always been such a big component. Um, and of course, for not every type of job, if you're a creative or you know certain things that just aren't as uh, geared towards LinkedIn or just that professional environment, but anyone, you know, nonprofit, corporate, it's not always been a big part of it. And, but people do need to know it is a part of this process. Uh, other changes we've seen, um, as I mentioned, the ABI, the automated video interview. So for those who aren't familiar, sometimes you'll submit an application and have a recruiter reach out to you to say, hey, I'd like to have a phone call, a phone screening, and we talk. For some companies, they've started to do this automated video interview where they send you a link and say, you know, this program will generate questions. You'll be given two to three minutes to answer it, and you just answer facing the screen. For a lot of people, that's incredibly uncomfortable to just speak to a screen. And so I do highly recommend that people practice because it is a new part of this process that it, it's not a new way for them to kind of parse out or wean down the applicant pool. Um, and so that is something you wanna be aware of and feel confident in being able to do it. Aside from that, uh, you know, there are different types of interviews. So everything from a panel, which, you know, could be up to five people who are interviewing you at once, uh, you can have a case, a case study, so they'll give you information and ask you to perform a task. Those are typically for technical roles. So finance, for instance, I would have to do cases of, you know, give us a forecast or tell it, you know, answer these questions with ambiguous data. Uh, and then, of course, just the one-on-one -on -one interview that I think we're all most uh, used to and aware of, which is typically with a hiring manager. 
Right, right. Um, I love the thoroughness and the like almost the three, uh, not the almost, it is the 360 view that you offer. Um, again, I wanna stress to anyone listening who is in the middle of a job search or thinking about career transitioning, you should not be doing it alone. Unless you have previous experience like the person we're talking to today, Steph Graham, who is a former recruiter and now a career and interview coach, we can't be experts in everything. And this is why it's essential to reach out to an expert so that you get expert help and support with a strategy. You can actually execute step-by-step. Step, Steph, if there was one thing you wanted viewers to really take away from our conversation today, what is that? Yeah, great question. There are so many things, <laughs> but if there were one, um, you know, I love you're you're reiterating really the point, right? Like professionals who are out here to help people who have that insight, who really understand that process. And so I want people to be aware of that. Um, but certainly, just understanding, you know, my role is to get you feeling confident and a level of just just self-possessed, feeling really confident in who you are and what you're putting forward. So I hope listeners take away that it's very doable. Even if you're trying to transition in your career, even if you're feeling stuck, as I mentioned, like a lot of folks do, they think, oh, I don't have the skills. I haven't gained anything. I promise you, you have. I promise you. And so I want people to take away from this. You can do it. It is possible. And Lisa, as you mentioned, maybe just hire a professional. <laughs> yeah, ask the expert. You right, right. To figure this out yourself. Uh, Steph, this was completely my pleasure today. I think what you're doing is essential. I think that, um, I, and I'm talked about this before, my goal is to see greater diversity, mm -hmm. uh, particularly women of all colors in senior management, because we know when we just get to that 30% level of increased diversity in senior management, there's a return to the bottom line but I have a much more personal reason for it. The world's a mess right now. We need to get greater diversity into senior management. We need more voices there. We need wider perspectives because that's how we're gonna come up with the solutions that are so needed at this time. So Steph, for uh, all listeners, reach out to Steph. You can find her at www.consultgram.com. She's got a lot of awesome material on her website. She's also on LinkedIn. You can find her on Instagram. And Steph, can you just go through your social accounts so people can reach out? Because I found you on Instagram and I appreciate <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'll start by saying, um, for the spelling of my last name, my, my dad would always say, Graham like the cracker. So just think s'mores. You get the graham crackers. That's that is the spelling, uh, but yes, it is www.consultgram.com, uh, Instagram and TikTok at consult.gram, uh, and then LinkedIn. It is uh, LinkedIn.com/in/segram7. Uh, Fantastic! Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate everything you're doing, everything you're sharing and your mission. It is really needed at this time. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you on these topics. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky.com dot coach. Thanks for listening.